chapter 2 and verse 6, the husbandman, or the farmer, that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. And of course that makes sense, doesn't it? But we have to look at that, we have to turn that around. Uh, if the crops fail, he is also the first one it does without. I mean, you can put a lot of work into farming, growing food, growing crops, and not get anything and lose, lose money on it. Uh, so you have to know what you're doing. You have to be diligent and work hard at it. A bountiful harvest is simply the visible result of a farmer's earlier duties performed faithfully. And of course, we, I know it's not all dependent on the farmer. Uh, we have to have God's help. Uh, the weather has to certainly be agreeable. Uh, there's blights and insects and different things that can affect it. But if the farmer doesn't do his part, there will be no harvest. As laborers for God, we too must look, just work to see an abundant harvest. So how much work are we doing putting out for the harvest? So we're going to examine some of the farmer's tasks and compare them to our responsibilities as God's husbandmen. So our objectives, uh, number one, examine uh, for the student to examine their life for anything that would hinder a great harvest. Because you can do a lot of things right, but still do a lot of things that can hinder a good harvest. Uh, for, the har for the farmer, uh, it's sleeping late, procrastinating, lack of effort, no attention to details. For the Christian, it's sleeping late, procrastinating, lack of effort, no attention to details. So the same thing uh, uh, that would uh, harm a farmer's crop will harm our spiritual lives. Then number two, understand the importance of faithfully spending time in God's word for conviction and growth. And we're going to talk about this in, in a little bit. Uh, for the farmer is the seed, the irrigation, and the fertilizer. And then number three, be determined to actively, to be actively involved in gathering God's harvest. Uh, for the farmer, all can be lost in two to four weeks. He must know when to harvest. You only have a short span to harvest the crop. Uh, one thing that, that really is, is that I can think of uh, being the shortest harvest time is cherries. You can you can have cherry trees and you can watch those cherry trees and you can uh, they'll sort of get ripe real quick and you can watch them. You say tomorrow I'm going to pick those cherries. They're going to be ripe. And you go out there and they're gone because the birds has got them. You might know pretty close when those cherries are ripe, but those birds know exactly when they're ripe. They won't eat a green one. If there's any out there, they're going to be green. They'll wait, but they'll get them. They know exactly when they're ready. So there's many different factors. There's a lot of factors, spiritually speaking, that uh, hinder us in our harvest, that uh, delay our harvest and hinder the harvest. And so we need, we're going to talk about that. And then in our outline, the farmer prepares. There's clearing and plowing. The farmer plants, planting the seed pruning the crops or cultivating the crops and then the farmer possesses the time to harvest is now the time of harvest brings rejoicing uh, so again that takes us back to our verse for second timothy 2 and 6 the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker 
of the fruits. And of course, farming is, is hard work. Uh, it should not be an occupation of somebody that's, that doesn't want to put in some hard work. You're, you're not going to be successful in farming without hard work unless you're already rich and don't need to make the money and you can pay somebody else to do it, I guess. Uh, but if you're dependent on the harvest, you're going to have to, somebody's going to have to put out some work. It's not simple, it's not easy, but if we are faithful, our harvest too can, can be glorious. The second best thing to being saved is being able to lead somebody else to the Lord or have a hand in somebody else coming to the Lord. To gain a bountiful harvest, the farmer must perform several significant tasks. Uh, I think I need to be... Yeah, the farmer prepares. Uh, harvest is simply the visible result of those preliminary steps performed faithfully. And that's the same thing it is with leading a soul to Christ. It's not just a one thing, just go out there and say, you need to be saved, and they get saved. No, it's, uh, it may be several people involved. It may be several times involved, a long time uh, in uh, the process. So the farmer prepares uh, he must prepare the soil. Luke 13, 6 through 9, gives us a story of a man that understood the preparation. Uh, verse 6 says, He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Uh, the dresser wanted to give the fig tree another opportunity. He said he wanted to dig about it and dung it. Uh, and we can relate that to our uh, trying to see somebody saved. Uh, it said, and he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also. So there comes a time when maybe all you can do for somebody is pray for them. Maybe you have already said something to them and you've done everything you know to do. Sometimes it's just let them alone a little while and pray. I'm not saying you, you let them alone to start with. I'm saying you, you've done this, you've done that. So maybe it's just pray. You can pray before. Sometimes that's all you can do. Then he said, till I shall dig about it. So he was preparing the dirt around the tree. And that's what we have to do. We have to live the word of God. We have to allow people to see what it's like to live for God, what it's like to be saved. And then lastly, he said, and dung it. That is giving it God's word, to give it pow the power to do what needs to be done. We can't save somebody. We can't make somebody get saved. But we can give them God's word. So the first part of preparing uh as the farmer prepares, is clearing. The land must be uh, cleared. When I was, uh, I don't know, a young teenager, 
we had to cut some, get some trees off of uh, the land that was grassland. And the, the grass was good. The grass had been sown, but it had not been tended to for probably six or seven years. And it had pine trees on it, about 10 feet tall. Well, the grassland was not for cows to eat, but to be, to be mowed, to make hay out of. Well, you can't mow hay with pine trees all over the place. So we had to go in there. And I remember mine and my sister's job was to uh, take a hoe and dig around the bottom of that tree so Dad could come in there with the chainsaw. And the, the tree had to be cut off below the surface of the dirt. Because if you've ever seen a sycamore, it lays down like this. It's got fingers as it goes across and gathers the grass, and the sickle cuts it off. Well, anything at all is going to catch on that, on that bar. So it had to be cut down low. And it was very, very effective uh, the way that we did it. But it was hard work. It was hard work. You could imagine uh, what it was like out there. When you, we got there early in the morning, it was all right. But when it got warmed up, that was hot work. Because not only did we have to cut the dirt, cut, cut around the tree, get to, so he, Dad could cut it, then we had to drag those pine trees off into the woods. And some of them are pretty good ways from the woods. Uh, but it was hard work. But the land had to be prepared. If we were going to be able to use that grass for hay, it had to be prepared. It'd be ineffective if we hadn't to cut the pine trees down. So God likens himself to a vineyard owner who carefully gathered the stones out of his vineyard and he planted his vines, Isaiah 5 and 2. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. I remember a time when I was young, Dad was, we had this small farm, but this one field, not close to the middle of it, it had this big rock that stuck out about this far out of the ground. And everything you did, had you had to go around that rock. So that, he decides he's going to get rid of that rock. Well, he had to dig around that rock, and of course, as you went down, the rock got bigger. So we dug, he dug down about three feet around that rock, and we took a sledgehammer, or he probably used an axe. I don't think he ever had a sledgehammer. He just had a big axe. Use the back of the axe. And a drill bit. He said, drill bit? How do you use a drill bit? Said, you hold on to it. And you hit it with something. Guess who was holding on to that every time he hit it? Stung like crazy, I thought. Dad didn't believe in gloves, no way. So we did that. We dug a hole about that big in that rock. Put dynamite in it. Boom. Then you had to clean the rock up. But that was a lot of labor. But it's a lot less labor to do that than it was to plow and dig around that every time you planted a crop. Because then we filled the hole back in. It was like it was never there. How big was that rock? I don't know. We didn't see all of it. We just got rid of what was in the way. So it's a lot of work. We must prepare the soil of our hearts to receive the word of God by removing anything that hinders God from working in our hearts. Our hearts can get hard if we don't prepare it with the word of God. I know we, uh, another thing we did growing up, we rented some farmland, and one of the fields had, all the way around it was large trees, 
and they had allowed those trees to encroach upon the field, and they didn't use 15 feet of the field because the limbs had got in the way of the tractor. So we went in there and cut those limbs down. A, a two-acre field become an acre and a half because that big swath around it had to be cleared off. So there again, it, it's hard work, but that those limbs had to be taken out of the way. Just like trees and rocks and limbs prevents the farmer from producing crops, obstacles in our lives prevent us from producing spiritual fruit. You see, when those limbs begin to grow, nobody noticed them. And nobody thought that much about leaving that first foot of field without using it. But as they grew, it just kept pushing them in, pushing them in, and pushing them in. To us, to me and my dad, it was sort of an odd sight to see that field there and nobody using this part over here simply because they had never cut the limbs back. If they had cut the limbs back year one, wouldn't have been anything to it at all. Wouldn't took much at all. But it was quite a bit of work because we they allowed that to get in the way. Sometimes we allow things in our lives to get deep-rooted in our lives, then it becomes very difficult to change our lifestyle and not do what we've always done. But if it hinders us from doing what we need to do for the Lord, then we're going to have to take the time and do the work. Second Kings 18 gives the account of young Hezekiah ascending uh, to the throne of Judah. God records of his life, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, Hezekiah wanted to work in his nation and the lives of the people to remove some uh, places of idolatrous worship. And you read in the Bible where many times where it says they worshiped in the groves and, or, and different places where they were not supposed to worship. And it's basically a symbol of worshiping things other than God. They weren't worshiping God. You know, there's not a problem in the United States really of not worshiping it, but it's what they worship. God actually said in verses 5 and 6, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him. So you could actually say about Hezekiah, what, if you was asked what king lived the best in the word of God, it's Hezekiah. God doesn't leave any question. None were better after him. None were better before him. It was his desire to see God's people worship God. We easily recognize that clearing our lives for God's service includes removing sin. So we know if there's sin, or sin in our lives, we don't. If, if we've been a Christian in length of time, we don't need to be told that needs to come out. But what about those things like the tree limb that slowly creep in? Nothing wrong with a tree limb, is it? But when it gets where it's not supposed to be, it needs to be removed. And in our lives, we allow things to come in to our lives that need taken back out. They've taken the wrong position in our lives. Now, to understand some of the things that Hezekiah went through, uh, about 700 years before Hezekiah, uh, God sent serpents into Israel 
Remember, when they were wandering through the wilderness, and one of the thing, and all the people died that was above twenty years old. So one of the one of the ways they died was when they uh, disobeyed God and and not doing what they were supposed to be doing. God sent serpents in and they bit the people, and many people died. So Moses, of course, went to God and and asked for help, prayed to Him, and He said. Make a golden serpent, put it on a rod, and everybody that looks at it will be healed. They won't die. Now, did looking, it wasn't the looking at it, but it was the believing, the obeying the word of God. But later, Israel still had that golden serpent. 700 years later, they still had it. And what were they doing? Were they looking at it and trusting in God? No, they were looking at it and trusting in that golden serpent. So Hezekiah destroyed that serpent. He got that out of their lives. Many times things that are good in our lives can take a bad place in our lives. Sometimes a favorite pastime or hobby or sport, whether we participate or observe, can take a wrong place in our lives and actually come between us and the Lord. So I guess it comes down to this. We have to ask ourselves, you have to ask yourself, how much time and money do you spend on things other than things of God, food and raiment? That's all God says we have to have. And I know you'll hear this, and you, you think this if you don't hear it. Well, it's my money, and I can spend it how I want. And that's true. It's amazing that Christians think that when they're spending the money they have, but before they get the money, it's more like this. Lord, if it's your will, help me get this new job that pays more money. Lord, if it's your will, give me more money. It's over here. Lord, it's my money. You see, what we have, we have because of God. The farmer who wants an abundant harvest must clear his ground. But we must clear our lives. We must not have things that from doing the things of God. And then second is plowing. Now one of the greatest inventions for plowing, and I'm glad Brother Lee's back up here now. We'll talk about John Deere a little bit. John Deere invented the steel plow. And well, the difference was they were made out of cast iron before. And out, especially out in the Midwest, when you would plow, the dirt would stick to the plow because of the texture or the makeup of the plow. So he made one out of steel, and the dirt would slide off of it. Well, this greatly, greatly increased the speed in which uh, land could be formed. And as I said, Eddie's... The big farmer around here, he, he gave me this picture of him farming his land. This is his watermelon patch he's turning here. I think he's got about uh, 15 turning plows pulled pull behind his white tractor there. So uh, he has to turn that land. And, uh, and then he has to, uh, he's got his little tractor that he smooths it out with. But the land has to be prepared, right? I remember when 
uh, I was young and went over uh, to my aunt's house and she was allowing, she had a, well, decent sized backyard and she was letting somebody, uh, I don't know if she was having him to do it or she was letting him use the space. I don't know if anybody, they had this front pine tiller digging up that yard to make a garden. And it was good dirt, but it hadn't been turned probably in 30, 40 years. <laughs> I remember watching that tiller, it just bounced on that. And they would have to pull it down and try to push down, and that was some work with that. But it, it done no good at all to put any seed out there until they dug that grass up and smoothed that land out. The same thing with our hearts. If we allow our hearts to become hard, if we fill our lives with stuff other than God, then it's going to be difficult to do the work for God. Jeremiah 4.3 said, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. God allowed, told them to, the fallow ground to, to let it, the ground to let it lay a year. And he said, then when the land's ready, break it up and keep the, keep the weeds out of it, keep the thorns out of it. And the same thing with our lives. We need to set some time aside for God, and then we need to use the rest of the time to, to live for him. God's word can break the hard ground of our hearts. And we need to remember this, and you've heard me say this before probably, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing the word of God. It does not say by having heard the word of God. It's hearing. It's a continual process. If we could hear the word of God and, and always act upon what we heard, that'd be fine. But we don't do that. We're human. We're not going to do that. We're going to have to continue to hear the word of God, whether it is reading the word, hearing the word preached, hearing the word taught, whatever it is. It's the word of God that is going to make our lives suitable for living for God. Hebrews 4 and 12 tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. And it is marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So God knows exactly how our heart is. He knows the condition of our heart. And it says that, the, that it's sharp enough to cut between the joints and the marrow. Have you ever taken a chicken leg and, and broken the end of it off and seen the marrow down in the end of it? When it comes off, the bone just breaks. You can't get that knuckle off or whatever it is, that joint. It's going to break off. You can't separate that. It's joined to it. But God can separate us from the, th the bad things that does not need to be in our lives if we allow him to. The word of God can break open the hard heart and allow the seed of scripture to bring forth fruit. And we'll end with this right here. It would be surprising, perhaps humbling, to know how many Christians do not spend time in God's word faithfully. I want to encourage you, being this the first uh, Sunday of the year, if you haven't started doing it, to uh, make plans to read your Bible. 
if you can read it through in a year, uh, that's wonderful. I remember one time uh, when I was uh, reading through the Bible and I happened to be, uh, you know, caught up and, and doing okay and uh, had a bit of time I went behind, didn't have to catch up. And uh, yeah, I think it was the fall of the year and I talked to this senior saint at the time uh, where I was going to church, we went here, and uh, he said, I just finished reading my Bible through the third time this year. <laughs> here I was feeling good because I went behind on reading it, reading it through one time. So it's not that it, it doesn't really take that long, but it takes a conscious effort to do it every day. And if you don't have a plan of how much you're going to do or a plan of exactly how you're going to do it, you're probably not going to get it done. If you don't have a time plan, if you don't have a, a plan as to how much you're going to read every day, you're not going to do it. So I want to encourage you this morning to make time, to take time and plan how you're going to accomplish reading the Word of God through it only takes a few minutes a day to do that. It takes about, I think if you read, that's a little over three chapters a day you can read through in a year. And I know you have to have a plan because when you get to Psalm 119, that's more than any six chapters just about it. So uh, plan how you're going to read through the Word of God. And it will help you in your Christian life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Lord, help us, Lord, to be concerned with, Lord, pruning our lives, Lord, with cultivating our lives, Lord, clearing the things out of our life, Lord, that hinder us from doing your will. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. Uh, Lord, help us to read your word. Lord, we pray for service today. Lord, I pray so we'll be saved. In Jesus' name we pray.